Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, Every once in a while, we get the chance to hear from an emerging gen leader and uh, one of the most prominent emerging gen leaders uh, around our church these days is uh, a young woman named Jen Surtees. So I want to welcome Jen back to our podcast. How are you doing, Jen? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. Uh, We had a conversation back during the pandemic when you were kind of newer in the sense to our community and now you're uh, in like Flynn. And so I'm interested to get some of your take on what's different. But before we do, uh, why don't you uh, just start off by helping all of us who uh, maybe don't know you that well, just to get to know you a little bit better, talk about your background and kind of who you are a little bit. For sure. Uh, so I uh, originally, I've grown up uh, my whole life in Oakville, uh, just uh, hop, skip and a jump down from St. Catharines. So I uh, grew up there my whole life and moved out to St. Catharines um, to study at Brock. Uh, like many people my age, they come over to St. Catharines uh, to go to university, uh, was studying in uh, concurrent education, so teaching degree there, and just recently graduated from there um, this past uh, June. So that's pretty awesome. I have uh, one sister. I have two stepbrothers, a big um, big family. And yeah, that's kind of my background. I Some things that I love are I am a huge dancer. I uh, teach dance. I danced at my university. I was the coach of the dance team at Brock. Um, if you don't see me around the church, uh, I'm probably dancing. If we see you around the church, are you dancing? <laughs> uh, you could say that. I, I did do some dancing. If you are ever in kids ministry, we did some uh, music video style things. Those were all all me. So yeah, you could see, say that I'm dancing around the church too. That's great. So you end up at Southridge, I presume, as a Brock student. You know, the Brock students are, are uh, kind of just up the hill from our St. Catharines location. Um, do you want to talk about just your, 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 your history of getting connected uh, with Southridge to the degree that you are today? Yeah, so I, I started coming in my second year of university. Uh, my first year of university, I, um, like some people, not all, but I, I didn't love university. I actually pretty much hated it. And uh, I went home every weekend and was like trying to, uh, you know, kind of figure out if I wanted to stay at university or not in my first year. And so I was home every weekend. So I never really found a church uh, in St. Catharines, but decided to stay at Brock and ended up loving it eventually. Um, But started coming in my second year with, um, with just a group of girls and, um, and kind of got, connected into young adults ministry, um, a life group uh, with other young adults, which was really awesome. That was kind of my first big step into doing other things um, at church other than just Sunday morning was a life group with a couple uh, people. I was the youngest in the group, but uh, the oldest was still in young adults, like probably around my age now. So like probably 25. Um, But yeah, so that's how I kind of got involved in, in Southridge was coming with a group of friends and just plugging into a life group. And uh, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what you're up to these days? Because you spent the summer away from Southridge, but are now back kind of diving into things. 
Yeah. So in the summers for the past nine years, I've worked at an overnight camp in Muskoka uh, called Kwasin, another little Christian camp up there. Um, But currently I'm doing quite a few things uh, for work. So I am a supply teacher in the Holton region at the public schools there. Um, As of the beginning of October, I also am supply teaching at Beacon Christian School uh, in St. Catharines. So that's pretty fun. Uh, I also teach dance at a studio in St. Catharines uh, a couple nights a week, teaching kids competitive dance from ages like 6 to 17. And I also am working part-time at Southridge. I am working in kids ministry in an admin role, um, which I absolutely love. It's kind of overseeing all of our Sunday morning curriculum for kids, getting supplies ready, um, setting up all three locations, and overseeing our support ministry where we have uh, one-on-one support for some of our, our students on Sunday mornings. A lot of side hustles. Yeah, I, honestly, <laughs> when I was getting my onboarding, it was like, how many jobs do you have? It's like, uh, probably like uh, four, maybe five. <laughs> wow. Well, you're making it work and uh, want to dig into a few different pieces of your perspective so that we can get some emerging gen voice uh, not just into the life of our church, but uh, so that even leaders outside of Southridge who are listening can glean uh, some of your kind of heart and wisdom uh, on the emerging gen these days. So let's let's go back a little bit to just the the the, the memory of how you connected, uh, kind of as a Brock student at our church to to just learn a little bit about how emerging gen people connect in churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, can you remember back to that era and and like, I guess, what would you feel as a younger person and as a university student, what was it about Southridge that either like attracted you or worked for you? I know none of those words are probably appropriate, but like, how did, how did Southridge stick once you were looking for a church as a, as a young adult in university? Yeah. So I, I actually started coming because I was teaching dance at Brock, of course, everything back to dance, but um, I was teaching dance at Brock and I played a song just for a warm up, a, a need to breathe song, which is a Christian band that kind of creates music that is like secular, but also has Christian vibes to it. And when uh, uh, there were two girls who were sisters in my class and they were like, oh, is that a Christian song? I was like, uh, yeah. Like, I didn't know really if I should say yes or no. And they were like, oh, well, we're, we're Christian Christians. Like, do you go to a church yet here? And I was like, no. And they were going to Southridge. They had gone for one week already. And so I became fast friends with them. And we went to Southridge that next week together and kind of never looked back from there. Um, some people might have heard of our conversation that w- those two of us and one other girl had with Chris Fowler one day. Um, that first Sunday that I went, they had like newcomers welcome. It wasn't lunch, which I think we have all lunch now, but there was just like, go to the connection room and talk with the the past, like the location pastor. And so we went and Chris Fowler was there and our conversation was like way bigger than that moment could happen. So he actually took us to Cat's Caboose um, our first Sunday. And that was like really cool to me. And I think that that was one thing that really stuck was like just how much um, like the pastor's poured into us. They hadn't even, like they, he didn't even know my name yet. And he was pouring into us and wanting to hear about us and wanting to kind of hear our voices and have our voices involved. Um, but something also that really stuck was that first Sunday as well, um, was when we were playing, uh, the video, the you belong here video. I think, I don't know what it was actually called, but that's kind of what 
it was kind of going through all these different types of people. You belong here, you know, um, different things like that. And that was like the first time that I'd ever kind of seen Jesus's what I believe that Jesus lives for, like totally and strategically said out of church, like everybody belongs and Jesus and that's what I believe that Jesus um, wants for us. So I think that was one of the big things that kind of attracted me to Southridge was like, there, you're actually living out exactly what I think Jesus wants us to do. Um, and that video just like captured it so well. And like, honestly, almost brought me to tears in, in that first moment. Like that was the first thing that played, like nobody had even talked on stage yet. And I was already hooked. <clears throat> it's amazing, especially for leaders listening to appreciate how much a sense of belonging is not only needed by young adults, but how much a sense of belonging represents to young adults their understanding of the very essence of the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I'm hearing in, in, in your description. And then how you not just heard that, but experienced that through a guy like Chris in the immediacy of, you know, right away you're having food and I don't know what, whether Chris was into you guys or he was just into the idea that you guys could have food together because <laughs> food probably drew him to that yeah. restaurant conversation. But I remember after it, Chris saying how, how engaging it was and uh, how insightful you all were. And uh, so that was, that was pretty cool. Um, y- your faith journey since then uh, has been really inspiring. Uh, I-, I guess to, to get into that part of the story, uh, just talk about where your faith was at when you started connecting with Southridge, and then we can kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that like when I first came to Southridge, um, I was in like a really new season of faith. I had gone to first year of university, hated it, and realized that really the reason I hated it was I had a really bad mindset. Um, I had come from a life of busyness 24-7, going to school, dance, church, work, all these different things that was like 24-7 busyness. And I was coming into a season of my life where, yes, university is busy, but it's busy in like a boring a boring way, honestly. Um, and I had also just come off of a summer uh, camp. And for any camp people out there, you know that like camp is the spiritual high of spiritual highs, basically. Every day is a program towards Jesus every few hours. And so I think that what I was kind of experiencing as I was coming to Southridge was recognizing that camp is a spiritual high and that I actually want to live into the things that you learn at camp and the way that you can experience Jesus at camp in quote unquote real life. And so I was searching for kind of a place that like I could take my faith further than a Sunday morning and live among people who are also doing the same thing because I had such an incredible experience every summer at camp doing that with 40 people to 70 people who um, I could do life with around Jesus and focus on Jesus. So I think that that's kind of where I, my mindset was of, I want to find a place like camp that isn't three hours away and based in one singular entity of location, but actually something bigger than a location, if that makes any sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I know our, our, our desire watching the immensity and the extremity of the spiritual impact that happens at camp is like, can we be a place? Can we be a a people for whom that happens 51 other weeks of the year? 
Mm-hmm. One week a year uh, camp experience. Obviously, it's some. There's some unfair comparables of just the intensiveness and the, you know, the 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 overnight full time living of it uh, at camp. But uh, certainly, we've wished that that we could be that kind of community. So it's really encouraging to hear you describe that. I guess as you've journeyed with Southridge, what what has most contributed to help you getting it? about Jesus to a greater degree, whether it's his love or his invitation to you or, you know, what's, what's helped you the most? Yeah, I think like, this is like kind of a hard question, but I think that like the idea of our action components, like how we don't put so much focus on a Sunday morning. We, of course, Sunday morning is important and yes, it gets a lot of people in the door and yes, we need time of worship and we need time of teaching and we need time of learning and practicing and all this stuff. But I think that what kind of helped me to get it would be having our anchor causes and tangibly seeing how we can impact and how our faith impacts um, those around us. I've been a part of um, some small churches in the past where it was a lot more about like, okay, here, let's pool our resources of money and let's send it overseas and we'll get a picture of, you know, the well that we built or whatever, which of course is beautiful and amazing and so necessary. But I think that the biggest thing for me was recognizing that if Southridge were to disappear tomorrow, our community would feel it. And I think that that happened when Jesus died. Like we, like people understood that Jesus was now, uh, had died and risen again. And I think that if we can live a little, like if our church as itself can be kind of like that was something that really helped me to get it. It's amazing when we, as a local church, try to move in the direction of becoming more missional and operationalizing more of this compassion and justice oriented activity that we felt like was core to the person of Jesus. We kind of banked on that speaking the language of the young person to a greater degree and I would say we've seen that in many cases, especially over the years in our St. Catharines location, how much that's been a draw is the wrong word because the point isn't to draw, but how, how catalytic that that's been uh, in the faith journey of especially younger adults. That's been, that's been very significant. Um, in addition, though, you've described, and I know you preached on this in the summer, that you had kind of a recent defining moment that as you've been growing in your faith, you know, you showed up at Southridge with this receptivity and this kind of new fresh version of faith. Things have been catalytic over the years, but you had this defining moment recently that you preached on. Describe that just in a nutshell for listeners today. Yeah. So after I graduated from uh, university, so I kind of finished my schooling in like end of April and I had about six weeks until I was heading up to camp and I was trying to figure out like what I wanted to do in those times. I, um, I was just like, how can I use this time effectively in just like doing something different and new? So I actually reached out to Carrie and Jade, our family life pastors at, uh, at here. And was just like, Hey, like, would you want somebody to be like a volunteer of some sort? And I got a response back. If you watch my sermon, I put the, the, uh, the email clip up on the screen and it was literally Carrie just saying, I love this. Let's talk Thursday. And so I think that in that moment it was like, Oh, cool. Like I got a six week gig of like volunteering with a cool ministry and whatever. And 
um, it turned into something way bigger than that for me. It turned into me saying, uh, kind of putting aside like what I wanted to do or what the world had told me I wanted to do uh, and saying yes to Jesus in taking the job in family ministry, basically doing the job that I was helping to facilitate in the volunteer position. And I had said no many times to Carrie uh, about that job and finally saying yes and um, saying yes to kind of just taking risks with Jesus and saying yes to um, failing as well, which of course is never easy. Now, since then, knowing that you preached on it, um, what kind of feedback did you get sharing that story of giving God your yes? And you taught from Isaiah and how Isaiah gave God his yes. And uh, talk about the feedback from that, that message and how people responded to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of people like resonated to, to say that they were not, not saying no per se to God, but just like saying maybe. And a lot of people, especially people in my life group and some other young adults, um, and even people that I sent the link to that aren't Southridge people, um, were just saying like that just the breath of fresh air of saying yes is important. Um, a lot of, uh, people have continued even last week. Um, I was supplying at beacon and, um, one of the, uh, one of the supply teachers there as well. She was like, I, re- I recognize you. And I was like, Oh, like, I don't know who you are. And, uh, it was Mrs. Ritzema and she was like, yeah. Oh, you, you go to Southridge. You, uh, you actually preached on Sunday, didn't you? I was like, Oh yeah, I did. And, and that was kind of an interesting moment of, she knew who I was. I had never met this girl in my life. And she was like, that was like a beautiful like presentation of who Southridge wants to be in young adults. That was literally like a few days ago. And that was, that was really cool to me that she kind of one recognized me from that. And two kind of just said that it was like a beautiful representation of the way that Southridge is working towards the emerging generation. Hmm, amazing. Um, well, in your peer group, where are you seeing emerging gen stuck to give God their yes or holding back or afraid to give God their yes? What, what prevents, especially your peers, emerging gen from doing that more often? Well, I think um, kind of exactly what I was going through during that six week volunteer of like wanting to say yes to wanting to say yes and wanting to do something big and wanting to do something um, with God on our side, but also fearing the risk involved, fearing that, you know, what our world tells us, I talk a lot about this in the sermon about how, um, I had just graduated with a really amazing degree of, of being, becoming a teacher, working in the government, having great benefits, having a pretty good pay, having, you know, kind of your life really set out for you with a pension and, you know, all these things that like, you, you have to do quote unquote. And, um, and I think that that is what a lot of emerging gen people are struggling with these days is just taking the risk and saying, okay, I can, I can put that aside. I don't need to have this job that people think is like so amazing or people, um, value in our community or in our life and kind of just taking the risk to say, God, I'm giving it to you. And, um, uh, just being willing to take that risk, even if, um, your degree doesn't 
fully aligned. I think that that's something huge, especially in university culture. It's like, well, if you're going to get a, a teaching th- degree, then you should be a teacher. If you're going to go to med school, then you should be a doctor, right? And But there's actually so many amazing things that God is leading us into that that degree obviously is helpful. And like my teaching degree is super helpful in the role that I'm doing at Southridge right now. So obviously it's not like it's not being used. And I think that a lot of people uh, fear that. Hmm. That's that's interesting. Pastors who study engineering in university doesn't provide a, <laughs> a, a, a roadmap for that. It doesn't break that wall down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. That's all another conversation. Listen, um, the July series. I love what uh, Michelle Ritzman was was sharing about that. But the the it, it's hoped to have sparked now some additional experiments and initiatives in the fall. I guess when we're talking about engaging the emerging gen and you know even engaging in the process of generational transfer, what are you seeing that's challenging? about doing that in the context of a a local church like ours? Yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot of things that are challenging, but like trying to think about time and space, I think is really difficult for just people in the emerging gen in general, outside of the church even, right? Like the emerging gen is kind of in this identity crisis of like, kind of being still this youth and being classified as youth-ish, but also like you're not in youth group obviously anymore, but like, do you fully feel like you belong in the big church? And like, yes, you do belong because that's our mission. And that is what we at Southridge specifically are creating for people that, you know, we brought in our, even our like six-year-olds into our big service for our worship portion. So like, obviously the big church is accessible to us and welcoming and needed for us and they need us and we need them. But I think that um, a lot of people are having this identity crisis of like, what does it mean to be an emerging gen in general? What does it mean to be a young adult? What does it mean um, in relationships, in, um, in our church, in work, in how we provide resources, how we use resources. And I think that that's like the biggest challenge is just a young adult, just not knowing who they are and where they fit and how they fit. How are you feeling about the fall short-term group that we've launched for emerging gen and especially emerging gen leaders on uh, how to read the Bible more effectively? I am so happy about that. I sadly won't be able to be there because I teach dance on Monday nights, but but I think that it's going to be really interesting to um, kind of dive deeply into, I, I was actually reading the, the description of it the other day about how we live towards something about wanting to be Jesus-centered and how that actually um, is different than being Bible-centered by using the Bible in a way to understand who Jesus is, because obviously that is the way that we understand who Jesus is. And I think that that's going to be really encouraging. And, you know, Jesus was a young adult, if we think about it, right? Jesus was a young adult uh, during his time of, uh, of ministry. And I think that that will be interesting. And I hope to have many coffees after those to hear from people how those go, um, because I won't be able to be 
to be there physically, but I know I'll be part of the conversations. As an emerging Jen who's given God your yes and who's now you know, in the staff mix and starting to take on a, a greater degree of leadership, from what you see and in your conversations with your peers, what, what's the most critical component to the effectiveness of this process that we refer to as generational transfer? In English, like, what, what does it <laughs> most take to get younger people engaged in the leadership of a local church community? Um, I think that, I really think that it's relationship. I think like that, that really kind of, if you think to my story of getting into, into ministry at Southridge right now, it started off with trusting Carrie and Jade and having conversations with them and, um, just being in relationship with them and being friends and being spending time together and um, doing life together, which kind of helped me to see myself in their shoes as well. Like having somebody who is a few years above me and recognizing, okay, like you are making this work. You are living this life for Jesus and you are teaching me how this works and I see that as well at camp, right? Like I started as a, what I like to say, a lowly cabin leader. And now I'm the assistant director. And that didn't come overnight. Like that was not something that came overnight. It was actually my director living into me during the, during the summer off season with training and just being in relationship, just to have going out for coffee with him and him just li- living into my life in a way that one inspired me, but also showed me how he was living and how like Carrie and Jade, how they um, are living and how I can be a part of that and um, learn from them and kind of recreate that in my own life. It's amazing how when, especially younger people d- d- describe what's most catalytic, how much that mirrors the life on life discipling process of Jesus. Yeah. And when we think about how to disciple people and how to, how to grow people spiritually, let alone develop them as leaders. Um, you know, even the leaders listening, we should always ask first things first, how did Jesus do this? And do we do this in the same way that Jesus is doing this? Or have we made up a totally different approach with programs and systems? And, you know, when, when people will testify again and again and again, that it's a person who invested in them, who, you know, kind of apprenticed them, uh, developed them, and uh, yeah, I just, uh, there's a whole nother conversation we could probably have about that. Uh, I guess as we wrap up, Jen, um, what I love to do when we have Emerging Jen on the podcast is just to get your take uh, and your voice on some of the ways that God's been growing us lately. It was a month ago that we uh, had our vision night and talked about three strategic initiatives, one of them being a greater degree of generational transfer, but the other two being about you know greater missional integration of our gatherings and a greater experience of love beyond belief, especially as it relates to LGBTQ plus inclusion. Um, are there either of those or both of those that you want to speak to? How are you feeling personally and or on behalf of the emerging gen about those two strategic initiatives? Mm, I think both of them really, like they really um, sat with me during those moments. I really uh, enjoyed hearing about and like just experiencing what you were saying about those things. And I think the biggest thing that stood out to me, and I have told this story to many of my peers um, 
in the Christian world and outside of the Christian world um, f- from that vision night was when you, Jeff, were talking about um, our five degrees of separation. You you said something about how we had we've in the past had five degrees of separation uh, from LGBTQ plus and have kind of are working with our denomination in order to kind of shift that five degrees of separation to be five degrees of separation from the denomination rather than LGBTQ plus um, uh, people. And I think like it was obviously you didn't go into specifics and we can only imagine the things that we're talking about, but it was just so eye opening in those moments of like, okay, we're actually willing to push the envelope. We're actually willing to take a risk as well. Like, you know, we're willing to say yes and also kind of fail as well. Right. You kind of talked about that in the vision night. Um, where it's like, okay, we, we did this thing and it's, it's working, but like, can we do this a little bit better? Can we, can we go a little bit further? Can we take our community one step deeper? And I think I've told that story to so many, so many people. And so many people are like, can I move to St. Catharines? I'm like, please, please move to St. Catharines, come to Southridge and just like experience the things that we're doing in that way of, you know, pushing the envelope, but also just pushing the envelope in a way that we think that Jesus is actually calling us towards that is, shouldn't be pushing the envelope. It's actually just reality in the way that Jesus lived his life. That's interesting. Hey, here's the way my church is failing and the way my church is prepared to fail. And the impact is, can we be part of that? That's, uh, (laughs) that's, that's encouraging, especially for leaders listening that are afraid of failure and afraid of the implications of failure. That's actually uh, very counterintuitively encouraging. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Jen, as we wrap up, uh, you know, thinking about the Southridge members listening, but also leaders from other churches that are listening, um, any final encouragements or challenges when it comes to an emerging Jen's perspective on the church and its future, what we should be thinking about and where we should be moving forward? That's a large large question but I think um I don't I don't know I think that for me in in just kind of putting my emerging gen hat on but also my um working in kids ministry hat on um I know Jeff we have talked a lot about how the world of the church uh right now is is struggling in volunteers I was actually, I was having an interview at Beacon Christian School the other day, and the vice principal asked me, how are you finding volunteers at your church? And he actually asked me because he said that his church was feeling the same way and uh, that this isn't something that is just our church or your church or the church down the road that is uh, that is struggling with. And I think that right now, if if I were to kind of challenge our, our people or people in general, um, would be to just take the risk to, you know, set boundaries, but also push those boundaries, right? Like if I can say that we're post COVID, um, I don't know if I can yet, but, um, uh, now that we're kind of coming out of COVID and going back to church and being involved, um, I think it's, it's hard for people right now because people are wanting to set boundaries. People are wanting to uh, use their time in the ways that they um, think is the, is best for them and best for their families and best for a list laundry list of things, right? Um, but how can we like just shift our perspective for an hour or two a week? How can we use our time um, to help others 
um, make things accessible, right? Like uh, a big win for us in kids ministry was our vision night. We had, uh, I think we had about 40 kids uh, come to our childcare, which we saw as about 100, 120 parents who are able to go to vision night. But that's not possible without volunteers. 120 people who wouldn't have been able to go to vision night were able to go to vision night because we were able to provide childcare for their kids. And, but that was only because of volunteers. So I think that that's probably the biggest thing for me is just how can we live in this post-COVID world of wanting to have boundaries and wanting to use our time effectively, but also how can we live like Jesus? How can we serve those around us? How can we become involved in the missions that we have in our own church? Short version, give Jen your yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, give Jesus your yes, which then gives Jen your yes. That's it. Which is pretty much Jen, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for uh, taking some time and sharing your heart. Uh, we really appreciate not only who you are around here, but the fact that you've been willing in increasing ways to use your voice and uh, to speak on behalf of Emerging Gen, which are so vital to the life of our local community. And uh, I hope that other leaders listening are inspired to activate and leverage the voice of Emerging Gen in your local communities so that we can be those communities getting younger and with fresher perspectives on who Jesus is. Uh, Excited that you joined in with us uh, today. We'll see you in about seven days time as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. 